Welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. And today I am like really super excited because we have the world's fastest hypnotist. And he is so good that, hold on. I'm not sure why I want to give this to you, Sean, but I'm not sure what you're doing. Don't look into his eyes, whatever you do. No, Sean was actually my teacher as well, because uh, my background, as you may know, is neuro-linguistic programming, and they have a certain like uh, Ericksonian hypnosis, which is long and arduous. And I thought, there's got to be a better way. And certainly the language patterns of uh, Milton are great, but the speed of uh, induction, Sean was doing phenomenal work. And it was like a game changer for me and my career. Sean, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Mark. Very happy to be here. So I think uh, the first question to ask really is, uh, what's your definition of hypnosis? Oh, boy. Okay, my, my definition of hypnosis is very simple. And it's, it's basically a usually relaxed state that when human beings enter it, they are more accepting to of suggestions that would be good for them so um that's 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 my very basic definition of hypnosis now there are there are many many different ways that uh, you know there are different theories about hypnosis you have the state theory and the non-state theory and the transactional theory and then then those all get very deep but basically a hypnotist hypnotizes you puts you in a trance state and in that trance state, you are more willing to accept suggestions that will be good for you. And so then you can make changes in your life. So that's that's kind of my simple explanation of hypnosis. Which is a good, uh, good definition. And uh, so I'll give you my definition from a mm -hmm. lay person's point of view. And then we'll mm -hmm. kind of dig into what you said. Sure. Uh, there is a state of awareness. And there's another state going on underneath that we're unaware of. And uh, what hypnosis uh, to me is, is quietening that aware mind for a little while. So it's mm -hmm. still there, but it quietens it down so you can access more of those deeper places. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, so your thoughts on my definition, because it's similar to yours, but it's... Uh, yeah. Uh, well, your definition um, kind of reminds me of self-hypnosis, which mm -hmm. is a very useful thing, right? So what what i've used it for is i'll put myself into self-hypnosis and it kind of quiets the conscious mind and when i when i go into this trance i go in with the thought of i'm going to come up with three ideas for marketing my business hmm. or something like that and and then you go into hypnosis for however long you've decided to go and when you come out when you opened your eyes um you have some pretty cool ideas now, some, of them are, some of them are going to be pretty wacky, <laughs> but they should be wacky because yeah, uh, that's that can be good. wacky ideas uh, equals one game changing idea. It and could, if you try and stay be. in your lane and have sensible ideas, then you'll probably wait a long time for a good one. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> so going back to your definition, uh, you were very uh, uh, particular in your articulation of it. And it was like you're susceptible to positive suggestions that are good for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, a, how would you know that they're positive? And B, how would you know they're good for you? And uh, in when someone's in that state, how do they, uh, 
how can they filter through those? Because my thought would be that they're open to suggestions. And if there's one that's super negative, they're going to basically say, I don't want to do that. Right. But do they have a sense of this is good for me? So go deeper into that, please. Yeah, well, they, they certainly do. Um, you know, and if their suggestion violated one of their core values, it would just be automatically rejected. Um, and generally, before we do the session, we've talked through exactly mm. what suggestions the client would like to receive. And so we don't surprise them <laughs> during the session. We, we, we give them suggestions that, uh, that they've already agreed. Yes, that'd be a good idea. And, and it just works so much better in hypnosis. I mean, I can talk to somebody all day about the importance of drinking plenty of water and they agree with me wholeheartedly, but they don't do it. <laughs> but when they're in that trance and I suggest that water is really good and, and they like it and it, it's just, you know, quenches their thirst and it, cleanses their body sounds like a very good idea just because uh they're they're open to suggestions more open to suggestions when they're in trance so you said something really important which was uh that conversation before we go into the session of therapy uh or hypnosis that we have a good conversation about what they want to accomplish and what might be good and so you get uh closer to what they want because my uh experience has been is oftentimes people have a sense of what they want mm -hmm. when you have that conversation Sean with them is you help them realize uh, that's not what I want this is what I want and that conversation mm. creates clarity for them and of course you as a practitioner it really helps you out because you know exactly what what needs doing right yeah and and sometimes sometimes the um the thing that they actually want comes in you know comes out during the session it's just they have this this epiphany during the session that this is this is the way I'm going to do it, and and you can force that too. You can uh, you can tell them, well, you know, I'm going to give you, I don't know, I'm going to give you 30 seconds of silence, mm -hmm. and during that that period of time, I want you to let your let your subconscious mind wander, and uh, come up with some unique ways that you might also you know do some things that uh, that would help you achieve your goal, mm -hmm. and let them go for a while, and and you know, they can, they can come up with some really good ideas. So let's talk about time. Uh, mm -hmm. You could have uh, a kid who's uh, 14 and it's a month away from uh, uh, summer break. Mm -hmm. That month can seem an awfully long time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so uh, your best guess for the average person or you could think of someone specifically that you worked with mm -hmm. that if you were talking to them in uh, just a regular conversation and you said, you know, take 30 seconds to think about this mm -hmm. and then you had them in trance mm -hmm. and then you asked them to think for 30 seconds. Do you think their perception of that 30 seconds in trance is different than what it would have been if they were just having a conversation? Like, mm -hmm. is there any time distortion or not? Right. Interesting question. Uh, there is often time distortion. And this, this, uh, you probably heard me say this before. Uh, sometimes hypnotists will use time distortion to prove to the client that he or she was in hypnosis and they'll finish the session and they'll have them, uh, open their eyes and say, well, how long do you think you were in hypnosis? And often they will underestimate the time that they, that, Radically. Be, that is right. And they'll say, oh, I'm on 15 minutes. And then you point to the clock and say, no, it was actually 40 minutes. And that, uh, 
that shows that you were in trance because there's this normal time distortion. And that's the time distortion that you see with most clients. However, some of them, you ask them how long they've been in trance and they say, oh, I think I've been in trance about two hours. And then you say, yeah. <laughs> well, no, look at the clock and, uh, and you see that it was only 40 minutes. So this is the time distortion. So they'll, but they'll play this however they want just to try and show them. Then if they say, how long do you think you were in trance? And the client says 41 minutes. Now look at the clock and go, you know what? That proves you were in trance because you were in, in exactly 41 minutes and people in hypnosis have excellent timing you know it's 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 funny now as you know i have different ways to prove to the client that they were in trance but uh but let's get back to the 30 seconds um often when they come out of trance you tell them 30 seconds if you told them the you know signal when when they they feel they're at 30 seconds often they can be very very accurate and we also teach that when we teach them how to do self-hypnosis we we have them practice going into trance for 30 seconds and then coming out and it's funny sometimes they are very very close to the 30 seconds that you tell them to go for nice we're going to take a break uh, for a sponsor we'll be right back all right if you're ready to let go of anxiety let go of uncertainty let go of doubt mindset boosters gives you the ability to decide how you act and feel in any situation ready to take charge of your mindset go to mindsetboosters.com So our mindset and uh, how we perceive the world often uh, uh, becomes reality. And if we're looking the world's out to get us, we're going to find people and situations mm -hmm. that sometimes are perfectly benign, but the way we see them, it looks like absolutely 100%. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Uh, why do you think that happens? Um. I mean, I know it does happen. It's interesting you mentioned that because uh, I read a study just yesterday. I don't know. I don't know when they they did the study, but what they did was they they took a bunch of of youngsters, you know, college students. It's it's all it's all about college sophomores, right? Mm -hmm. So anyway, they and what they did was they had a makeup artist put a scar on their face. Oh yeah. And Very then nice. they, have you heard about this one? And then yeah, they yeah. sent them off to job interviews. The thing was that right before they went to the job interview, they said, let me touch that up a little bit more. And they got rid of the scar. But these, these students went to the job interview thinking they had this horrible scar on their face. And when they came back, they interviewed them and they had a litany of, of how this person didn't take them seriously because they had this horrible scar on their face because they were looking for it. They were looking for a bad reaction and they, they saw bad reactions. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, your, your mindset, if, if you expect that you're going to do well, if you expect that you're going to be successful, I mean, I think everyone would agree that, that you are going to be far more successful than if you go out there, go out into the world thinking you're, you're going to fail. I mean, that's, that seems like a sure way to fail. Yeah, definitely. And uh, like you can have people that have a, a negative attitude that can be highly successful. Mm. And you can have people that have a positive uh, mindset and they just live perhaps happier lives, but maybe not as successful as they want to be. Because uh, there is a, at least to me, it looks like there's a, a disconnection between two society uh, tells us positive mindset mm -hmm. equals a happier, more successful life. Right. And, uh, but I think there's lots of, well, I'll give you a good example. 
A good example is you hear a lot of these Hollywood actors mm -hmm. that are highly successful, make lots of money, have a great right. track record, and they are convinced they'll never work again. After this movie, uh, I'll never get enough, I'll never get hired again. And it's like, are you crazy? You're like this famous person that's got a track record. So even though they've got that fragile mindset, they're still successful. What kind of thoughts yeah. on that, John? Well, I don't know. I guess I guess I've we, we've all had failures, right? Mm. You know, and and you 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 um, you come up against this this failure, and. Now I'm, I may be speaking just for myself, but hmm. yeah, I've, I've had, I can't think of anything in particular, but I've had failures and I thought, oh, that's it. That's it for me. <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to find something else to do. And, but I was wrong, you know, <laughs> but, but, uh, geez, I don't know. I mean, when I meet negative people, now that's, I don't, I don't consider that to be a negative person. I think that's just somebody who I something agree. happened and they go, ah, oh, I'm, I'm finished. And they're not. Uh, so, yeah, because I, I do see negative people. I've encountered negative people who who were truly, truly negative and, mm. and only saw the bad. And I don't remember them as being particularly successful. Um, I mean, positive. you can have a positive person and a negative person be involved in the same situation and of course, they're both going to come away from it with a different point of view, uh, you know, as to was it was it a good thing? Was it a bad thing? But I, I don't know. Um, so let, me, to, let me throw another data point out there and kind of get your yeah, thoughts yeah. on it. Yeah. You see, you've got two people with, uh, we've got this uh, magical test and we go, okay, these two people all have a, a positive attitude in life. Mm -hmm. And they have a failure that happens. And mm -hmm. one person sees that failure and... Uh, label it a certain way, make meaning out of that failure. Right, right. And the other person makes a different meaning out of it. It's like that Sean guy said, you know, you failed. I'm going to show him and mm -hmm. just go out and set the world on fire. And the other yeah. person could go, oh, maybe I'll do something else. Maybe this isn't right for right. me. Like both the positive right. not beating themselves up. So I, maybe that's right. the articulation. Okay. I see what you mean. Yeah. And, and of course, I have seen those people they come up against failure and say, well, well, I'll show them. I will, you know, it, it sort of galvanizes them and, and makes them drive forward even, even harder. And yeah, good for them. And yes, yes, they do tend to be more successful. Um, yeah. Hmm. I, it's, it's, it's interesting. And then the person says, oh, well, I guess I'm, that's it for me. Now, if it's, if it's, they truly believe that is it, because even when I say that, I know it's not, but I'll say it, you know, that's it for me. But but then after a couple of days of licking your wounds, you go, well, all right, well, what can I do to fix this? And then yeah, that, go on. Yeah. Or it could be, but, you know, hey, I'm not meant to be an opera singer. I'm mm -hmm. going to go open up a rock and roll band. And it's like a, a positive mindset would allow people to go, not this, I'm going to try something else. And they just, right. off they go, uh, truly someone that's down on themselves. Mm-hmm then basically then spiral down. Mm. So yeah. let's kind of uh, move on to, well, this is, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering. Uh, some people are more susceptible to hypnosis than others. Right. Is there a way to uh, understand why that happens? Like why are some people more susceptible and uh, other people just uh, are more uh, uh, open to that or susceptible to it? 
okay, well, I, I've done a lot of research on this. And uh, oh. the, and the, the reason why is because when I'm out, you know, giving a, um, a demonstration or a performance, I don't want to fail. I don't, yes. I don't, I don't like to fail. So I've gotten, I've done a lot of research into what makes people more highly hypnotizable. And some of the things I found are that the women tend to be more highly hypnotizable than men. Not, not by a lot, but a little bit. And I back up a little bit. Um, most research will suggest that uh, 20% of the population are good, deep hypnotic subjects, mm. 20%. The rest of us, the 80, other 80% are just, you know, they, they fall somewhere. Some are okay. Some are not so okay. But, but 20% are really, really good hypnotic subjects. So, um, so things I look for. Women slightly better than men um ethnicity comes into it um people with their heritage from the indian subcontinent mm -hmm. india pakistan bangladesh tend to be more highly hypnotizable than northern europeans and it doesn't it doesn't mean that northern europeans aren't good because some of them are really wonderful but in general um and i don't know if this is genetic or if it's cultural but for whatever reason People from that region of the world tend to be more highly hypnotizable than Northern Europeans. Um, the younger they are, uh, the more highly hypnotizable they are. So I, I think um, most researchers agree that the most highly, the most hypnotizable age is about 12, like right before puberty. Um, Interesting. Now, but if you're a good subject at 12, when you're 82, you're still going to be a pretty good subject, but maybe not as good as you were when you were 12. Country people are more highly hypnotizable than city people. City people tend to be a little bit more cynical, a little bit more cautious. And so uh, the country people tend to be better. Um, what else? Um, oh, if someone has an interest in um, new age type stuff. Yes. You know, they tend to be more highly hypnotizable than someone. supposed to, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's, anyway, so, so there are, there are things that make people more highly hypnotizable and but at the end of the day, 20% are going to be really great. And the rest of them are going to fall somewhere in the, the gray area. So typically, there's a bell curve. And is there another 20% or 2% at the other end that are absolutely uh, really difficult to go into a trance? Yeah, that's true. It's what a percentage bell curve. would you say that would be? Mm, I would say... I, and I'm, I'm not sure because I've concentrated on the highs yeah. rather than the lows. But I would say it's probably about five or ten percent that uh, that are extremely difficult to hypnotize if you can do it at all. So here's my oh. hypothesis mm -hmm. on what you just said uh, a little yeah. while ago, uh, mm -hmm. based in zero science. Uh, people mm -hmm. that are new agey people mm -hmm. and people from India, Pakistan, those kinds of areas, mm -hmm. uh, meditation of some form is just part of their day-to-day uh, -day activity. And it just, uh, perhaps that's what allows them to be more open to it or more susceptible is because they kind of just like do that kind of stuff anyway. It's not a foreign mm -hmm. thing for them to be in that state. Uh, of course and for women versus men, generally I find women tend to be more open than men. Men tend to be more guarded and maybe there's that. But yes, women question. share a lot higher in agreeableness. Yeah, and that certainly plays into it. 
So here's one. I'm not sure there's any science to it or any uh, makes even sense asking the question. I wonder if there's a correlation between attractiveness and susceptibility. Because mm -hmm. attractiveness would give, one would think, uh, have an impact on self-confidence. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not sure if they're related in this or it's just doesn't make a difference. Mm. Interesting. Uh, and this is attractiveness of the subject, not the attractiveness of the hypnotist. Otherwise, I'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So I, I don't know. You know, I've never, I've never looked. Well, okay. This is kind of funny because one of the things when I'm doing a, uh, a demonstration hmm. to encourage people to play, I'll, I'll say things like, you know, you know, the more intelligent someone is, hmm. uh, generally, the more highly hypnotizable they are. That's actually a lie. Yeah. It's not true. There is no it's correlation. It's a useful lie. <laughs> it's a useful lie, right? But I have on a couple of occasions just for fun said, you know, and I find that the more attractive people, <laughs> you go into trance so much easier. Is that your dating strategy? I love I, it. <laughs> no, no. I, you know, I've been, I've been married for a long time. I know. 38 years. <laughs> but, but I, I have, I have said that just for fun. And, uh, but no, I, I'm not aware of any studies on attractiveness of the subject. And well, it might make the hypnotist want to want to Seems do their more. best with yeah. an attractive person, but I don't, I haven't, I haven't read anything on that. <laughs> so here's the thing. One of the things that, you know, uh, uh, when I was in your class, you talked about is uh, hypnosis is a cooperation between the hypnotist and uh, the subject. Mm -hmm. And there was no better demonstration. At least this is the way I saw it. But mm -hmm. I'd like a better explanation for it. Mm -hmm. So uh, if I have a really, was it, uh, what was the name of the script that you gave, Dave? The Dave Elman induction? Induction. I can be on stage uh, mm -hmm. in front of a class and say, could I have a volunteer, please? There's mm -hmm. 20 people in the audience and a volunteer comes up and I read that script as written. Mm -hmm. And that subject goes into a trance. Mm -hmm. And for me, nobody in the audience goes into trance. They're just fascinated in what's going on. Right. Then okay. I can have the subject go back into the group and say, okay, now I'm going to hypnotize all of you. Mm -hmm. And I read the exact same script. So they're hearing the same thing. Right. And all of them will go into trance. So what filter gets in the way between, because when I'm uh, doing it to somebody next to me, the other 19 mm -hmm. people are hearing the same thing and not going into trance. Like mm -hmm. what mechanism comes in that stops them? And when I pay my attention to them and say, now I'm going to do it to you, and they all go under. Okay. A couple of things are going on there. Um, first of all, they had no expectation in the group that, that they were going in. They were, they were there to watch you hypnotize that one yes. person. So since they didn't have that, that intention or that expectation, that's why they didn't go into trance. However, if you had said, if anybody wants to play along, you probably would have dropped a couple of them in the group. Yeah. Well, so and then but then also what you had going for you is after you hypnotize the one person in front of them, then they had the social proof and they go, oh, this is what happens. This is what I'm going to, you know, they, they knew this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so so that's why you had success with the group, better success with the group, probably than uh, you would have had if you hadn't done the exam. Before. Interesting. Yeah. So that was yeah, that makes sense.
And it kind of goes back to that. So people have this fear that, you know, I'll be minding my own business and uh, Sean's going to get me to send him 20 bucks without my knowledge. And the answer is no, it's a cooperation. And, yeah. uh, uh, and that's kind of an interesting thing uh, to watch happen. So here's a question I've been uh, wondering about for a long time. Mm -hmm. I probably got the art, the name of it incorrect, but it's a, uh, uh, you put somebody into a trance and as they're going into a trance and they're there, then you say, Sean, wake up for a second. I want to tell you something. Mm -hmm. uh, fractionize, fractionization or uh, something. Fractionation. Fraction. Fraction. Oh my goodness. Did <laughs> I said it wrong. Now I screwed you up. It's called, no, it's fractionation. <laughs> fractionation. And then they come out of the trance and I go, right. Oh, that's okay. Now I want you to take a deep breath and go under and they go down deeper. Why right. does that cause a deepening to take somebody out of trance? They're in that disoriented space mm -hmm. and then you drop them down. They seem to go deeper. Why does that happen? You know, I don't think I know why it happens. I mean, this but you have observed it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ippolit Bernheim back in the 1800s wrote about it in uh, suggestive therapeutics. And he wrote that when he saw a patient, uh, they might go into a light trance. And then the next week when he saw them, they go in deeper and the next week deeper. And that was what Dave Elman's induction was based on. You know, you got Elman going, okay, so every week they go deeper. What if you had them in every day? Or what if you had them in every hour? Or what if you just did it several times in a row Would it would the same thing happen? And the same fractionation does happen. People, people who have been hypnotized before are easier to hypnotize. And, um, but when you bring somebody out and put them back in again, they do tend to go down deeper and deeper and deeper every time that you do it. But why that works, that's a good question. I've never thought about that, why it works. It just does work. So here's my theory uh, on it. You've noticed I'm full of theories. I but, think. Uh, so uh, in the induction you showed us and in the instant hypnosis, mm -hmm. we get somebody to stand with their feet together. So it's not mm -hmm. the most balanced stance. Right, right. And then you go to shake their hands. And then as you go to shake, you give them a slight pull mm -hmm. and it's, they're about to fall and they go not into the fight or flight, but go into the freeze response for a moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in that freeze response, if you give them a command to go to sleep, mm -hmm. that they take that command and go. Yes. And I think when they're in trance, and rather than I'm going to count to three, Sean, and you're going to feel fantastic rather than bring them up slowly. Right. I go, Sean, wake up for a second. And you mm -hmm. snap out that you're almost in that fight or flight freeze response. Hmm. And then you're more open to the suggestion since you were already in a relaxed state. And now I've mm -hmm. got you in an open state that that just lets you fall deeper into it. And it's uh, the similar concept. Hmm. Okay. All right. That's, that's an interesting idea. Um, now, you know that you don't have to like, hey, Sean, wake up. You don't have to do that. You can just have them. It's so much fun. What's a better then, way? <laughs> right. Bring them up. Yeah, right. But, you know, it's it's interesting because that's something that I do not do. I do not generally bring them. There's only one case when I ever bring somebody out of trance quickly, and that's when I'm doing the headache cure. Mm. But, but in general, I don't bring them out quickly, but you're right. It would, it would engage the human stress response. Mm. And then if you put them back in after, after another shock and do it a couple of times after shocks, 
could you get a deeper trance? That's it's an interesting idea. I haven't done it, but it's an interesting idea. I might have to try that. We'll compare notes. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you walk us through uh, the levels of hypnosis? Like the mm -hmm. first one is, and I th is the weakest muscle in the body uh, are the eyelids. And, you know, you, if you hold the relaxation, they're not going to open and they lose control mm -hmm. of it if they choose to cooperate. So mm -hmm. the uh, weak muscles, then where does it go from there? Like what are the next levels going down? Okay, well, there, there are several different scales. Um, the one you're talking about is, um, I think the one you're talking about is the Aaron scale. And it goes from one to six, with one being the lightest trance and six being the deepest trance. So the first one is catalepsy of a group of small muscles, like we test with the eyelids. And the second is, a, is catalepsy of a larger group of muscles, in which case we usually, we either make the, tell them to make the arm nice and loose and limp so that they can, you can drop it, or we'll tell them to make the arm stiff and rigid so stiff it won't bend, right? And if they pass that, that's Aaron's two. Now, Aaron's three can be demonstrated by, I generally stick people to something, you know, stick their hand to the side of their face or stick mm. their hand to the chair, or you can do aphasia. You can take away a name or a number and you say, what's your name? And they'll go, you know, they, they, they got it. It's in here, but they can't make their mouth say it. So that's Aaron's three. Um, Aaron's four is amnesia, where you have them forget something like their name or a number and it is gone. It just doesn't exist now. One, two, four, five, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so, so that's, that's amnesia or Aaron's four. Aaron's five is generally a positive hallucination. Um, you see have something that does not exist. They see something, they can see something that isn't there. Yeah. And then um, Aaron's six, which is negative hallucination, is when you have something that is there can disappear. For instance, uh, the hypnosis can disappear and they will not see you. Okay. So that's, that's the Aaron scale. So, but of course, there's the Stanford scale. There's uh, there are many many different scales, and some of them have like 35 different levels. So on the Aaron scale, uh, the mm -hmm. number five, making something uh, appear, mm -hmm. only did it once, and it wasn't me. It was the subject was like mm -hmm. so susceptible mm -hmm. that it was like, oh my god, this works. It's like amazing. Mm -hmm. So getting someone to forget uh, their name, what's the articulation? You've got them in trance. What is the articulation that you use to uh, suggest that? Okay. Well, what I generally do is I'll ask them if it would be appropriate. I'll say, um, would you, would it, would it be interesting if for just a few moments I could get you to forget your name? And uh, almost always they'll say, yeah, sure. For a few moments. And then, and then I'll go through, but I always ask because some people, they do not want to lose their name. It mm. would, uh, you know, it's, it's just their identity. It's, yes, it's nothing that they really want to do. So then I'll say, how about if you could lose a number? Would that be okay? And if they agree to that, then fine. Or if, then if they don't agree to that, then maybe uh, if I could make you forget what day of the week it is or something like that. Anyway, generally, you'll find something that they don't mind experimenting with. Um, now, if they don't want to lose their name, could you still make them lose their name? You might be able to, but but it, it's, certainly, why? Yeah. it's certainly going to be harder. So so get their permission. And I say, okay, this is the way it's going to work. In a moment, I'm going to have you open your eyes and look at me. And I will snap my fingers. And when I do, your name will just disappear. 
Just want that to happen, expect it to happen, and watch it happen. Open your eyes, look at me, and try to speak your name and find that you can't. And you'll you'll see it. They get a funny look on their face when they cannot remember their name. You say, you know, you remember my name? They'll say my name. I'll say, but and your name is? No, it's just completely gone. And it's it's kind of cool. Um, but but yeah, I always ask them if they think it would be interesting to do that because if they don't, then I'm I'm going to go for something else. So let's break that down a little bit because yeah. uh, I find languages so fascinating. Oh, yeah. And so taken for granted, mm -hmm. just like your articulation of that, like, uh, would it be okay? Would it mm -hmm. be interesting mm -hmm. uh, for you to lose your name for the next five minutes? Mm -hmm. In order to comprehend what you just asked them to do, they have to envision it in the internal movie theater and see the possibility of it. Mm -hmm. So you're almost actually leading them down that path and setting up uh, uh a roadway for that to happen just by how you're doing that. And the presupposition uh, at the end, you know, like, you know, you know, my name and you won't know yours, but it's going to be okay. And you just, you know, da, da, da. And uh, just notice it happen. Notice it happen is, is also implanting the possibility. And it's just, uh, uh, once you master it, like you probably do it without even thinking about, the mastery of what you're doing it just happens naturally but to the person mm -hmm. receiving it it's just like uh uh life-changing it's like wow <laughs> well it's, i mean it's kind of interesting if if you can help if you can make somebody forget their name what else could you do you certainly ought to be able to help them stop smoking right if yeah. you can take their name. <laughs> so i had a client come in uh, it's a, a guy that runs a company they've got about 700 employees mm -hmm. and it's uh you know uh that's it. The board isn't supporting me. I'm just going to put in my resignation, go do something else where I'm appreciated. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, well, can we go explore that? And I put this gentleman in a trance with his uh, uh, happy cooperation. Mm -hmm. And when he's in trance, it's like, you know, there's, I have no idea how many board members are troublesome. There's mm -hmm. three board members that just aren't getting or not wanting to get what you want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, get the first person, have them sit in the chair in front of you mm -hmm. and have a conversation and figure out what's the issue that's really going on. And mm -hmm. when you have it, just lift up your finger. And mm -hmm. sure enough, in about a minute and a half, they lift up their finger. I got it. Mm -hmm. Let's get the second board member in and the third. And mm -hmm. as this person comes out of trance and it's like, uh, so how's the session? He goes, oh my God, it was my fault. What I need to do with number one is this and number mm -hmm. two needs this. Number three needs this. And the very next day was a board meeting, hence the, our mm -hmm. session. And he won the board over to his new initiative. He wasn't able to do. And wow. it comes back to, uh, we have the answers within us mm. and it's our, uh, ruminations or our conscious mind oftentimes gets in the way our intellect gets in the way of us discovering the answer. And mm -hmm. one of the things hypnosis can do is, make all that noise go away. And it's like, you've got them here and you can figure out what the issue is. And sure enough, they kind of go in and go, Oh, it's this, this, and this. Interesting. And so here's the, the question I'm leading up to. Have you ever seen that movie limitless? No. Bradley Cooper. No. One, put it on your list. Uh, if yeah. you like watching movies, this is a good one. And I'll kind of describe the plot. Uh -huh. It's a, down on his luck 
author who hasn't written anything in two years and mm-hmm. he smells and he's just girlfriends left him and he meets this drug dealer that gives him this new age drug mm-hmm. that you're only using 10% of your mind. This opens up another 90%. And basically okay. for him, he can write the entire book in uh, in an evening kind of thing. And uh, so one, that's a good uh, date night movie to watch. Uh, <laughs> but here's the question to you is if you have someone that has, uh, uh, I can't be, they want to be really successful. Mm-hmm. But internally, at a deep level, I can't be more successful than my father because mm-hmm. that would be disrespecting him. Sure. So, if we were able to go in with uh, NLP or hypnosis and mm-hmm. change that, it would mm-hmm. get them unstuck and it would open up their ability to do stuff. Sure. So, is there a way? Let me take one step back so I can ask it more effectively. That if I was in a Taekwondo clinic mm-hmm. and I could go here, are the seven mistakes most people make in Taekwondo when mm-hmm. they've got a black belt, like they've passed the test, but they kind of suck at it. But if I show them this few techniques to kind of get the right attitude, they're going to be like phenomenal at it. Mm-hmm. And we can kind of quantify that. And that's a really good formula that works. Uh, does that make sense before I ask the question I'm about to ask? I think it makes sense. Yeah. Is there something that we can help general human beings with hypnosis to come to terms with uh, them as human beings that would allow them to just open up? So it's something more generalized, so not uh, more workshoppy. It's a hypnosis workshop, and we're going to do these five techniques to make you fearless, make you love yourself, do this. Like, Do you think there's a formula out there that would help people just walk out of that workshop just being happier, more effective human beings. So not customized to the person, but just generalized kind of things that we could help all humans do. I'm sure, I'm sure you could motivate a group Mm. and, and have them come out of there and, and uh, be more successful than they would have been before they went to the program. Um, But what I what I prefer to do is to work with them one on one. And your, your, your example of the fellow that didn't uh, he's he's blocked because he he subconsciously thinks if I if I'm more su- successful than my father, then that would be a bad thing. And so he'll sabotage himself. Mm. So with that, I mean, that that's just a simple matter of, of hypnosis and and in Fritz Perl's chair therapy and have that conversation with dad. And I would bet that 99 times out of 100, dad says, hey, go for it, Junior. Uh, you don't have to worry about me. As a matter of fact, you know, I'm up and, you know, up here looking down on you and, and cheering you on. And they have that conversation and boom, that, that block is removed. Um, it's, it's, it's funny with, with, um, with group hypnosis, it's just not as effective as one-on-one. Agreed. Uh, you know, you have you have people that we call them motel hoppers, and and they come in and they they rent out the Holiday Inn, and in the morning they do the the smoking cessation, and then in the afternoon they do the weight loss. You know, and then and they they charge just a little bit of money, and some of the people do quit smoking and lose weight, but the the uh, success rate is far below what you can get with an individual. Absolutely. Session. 
because everybody's motivated differently. And, and you can't address that when you can't address it as effectively mm. in a group session. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things when you're doing motivational speaking, it's awfully nice to get a measurement how the company is doing before and after your talk. And if it's if they get a good ROI, then they'll pay whatever your fee is to come in there and and work with them again. But uh, yeah, and I'm I like doing group sessions. They are a heck of a lot of fun. But if I have if I'm being honest, they certainly are not as effective as one on one coaching and hypnosis. Yeah. So here I'll give you an example of one of those because uh, I'm still trying to playing around with it. Huh? Like a useful kind of group hypnosis uh, to me is uh, exploring uh, the fear that stops you from living your full life. Mm -hmm. And that one you can, because it's an individual journey mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for people. So you're not doing any therapeutic. You're just getting uh, them to get a better understanding. It's like, oh my God, mm -hmm. yeah, my biggest fear is being judged. Mm -hmm. They really get a good sense of that, and they come out of that saying, oh, "I know what it is." For me, it's uh, judgment or someone else need to be liked, which is similar but different. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, something like that's quite useful, knowing what your fear is, because once you know it, you can go figure out how you want to sort it out. Which could be go see Sean, or it could be I'm going to take a long walk. Uh, so, as we move along, Sean, here is my uh, before we end the show. Where I really want to end it is very much. Uh, old school hypnosis where people like uh, hat pins and uh, uh, auditorium. So we're going to go there before we end. But before right. we get there, in uh, medicine, uh -huh. there has been leaps and bounds in understanding of uh, medication and the pathways in the brain and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Have there been advances in hypnosis or is this a human uh, ability condition that we're basically doing the same things we were doing 50 years ago or are the people on the cutting edge uh extending the field of hypnosis hmm. well there's certainly a, a lot of research going on out there um but i think hypnosis's problem is not so much that that people are not pushing the envelope and looking for other things that they can help people with I think it's that it's terribly underutilized. It could be so useful for so many things and people just don't know. I mean, they probably proved 30 years ago that hypnosis is extremely effective with IBS, with irritable bowel syndrome. Mm. That's probably 20, 30 years ago. But if you ask your average person with IBS, they have no idea that hypnosis could help them, even though it is terribly effective. So I think, I think, hypnosis's main problem is that it's not utilized enough. And the other problem that hypnosis has is that there are standards. Every, every physician went to medical school. I mean, you, there are standards. You can't even get a job cutting somebody's hair unless you have a, a license. Yeah. A license, right. You don't need a license to do hypnotherapy. And so anyone can call themselves a hypnotist. There are no standards. There's some advantages to that, but there are certainly some disadvantages to that. So um, that's that is probably hypnosis's second most serious problem. First, that it's not that it's underutilized, and second, that there are no standards. And there's a third one, I think, and this was when we um, when I did the course with you. By the way, if you're looking for someone to teach you hypnosis, Sean is a master, and it was just a very 
entertaining, fun, enlightening day of actually Sean teaching and us doing. It was more doing than anything else. Mm -hmm. So highly recommend it. But you. you spend a good bit of time at the beginning of our uh, class talking about most people have a misconception of hypnosis. going to make you do cluck like a chicken or look like a fool. Mm -hmm. And uh, so debunking that stuff or addressing that stuff right at the beginning. But I think generally in society, there is this negative connotation with hypnosis. Oh, there is yeah. this like uh, mild tacit acceptance. Uh, but I think if you look deep down, uh, there's an issue there. Yeah, well, I mean, it's all in what they see in the in the media, in the movies and on television. It's, um, well, you know, since you're a hypnotist, you know that the majority of what you see on TV and the movies is, is bogus, you know, so, so they can be, they can be, um, you, you can, you can understand completely how they could have these misconceptions. Absolutely. And I think it's, uh, it's probably what we need to do is this will be our mission, John, if we choose to accept this <laughs> is, uh, Go commandeer somebody with an fMRI machine and the people on the neuroscience front mm -hmm. and help them understand the brain better with hypnosis. And I think that programs doing together to do some research, I think, mm -hmm. would be a great way. Because right now you can uh, – anything with neuroscience, you're like a freaking god. It's like, really? Mm -hmm. oh, wow, that's amazing. There's like total acceptance. And mm -hmm. But I also think they're doing amazing work. And I think understanding what happens at the level of hypnosis – uh, with the latest fMRI machines and stuff mm -hmm. would also mm -hmm. kind of lend to its credibility and acceptance would be the pathway to uh, achieving what you, what you talk about. Well, the good thing is that uh, there is actually that work is going on right nice. now. So uh, I don't know. I don't know what they've, they've come up with yet, but, but they, they are actually using fMRIs right now uh, to study, study trance and, and depth of trance and things like that. So it's brilliant. Coming. Just out Superb. <laughs> okay, so uh, last couple of questions. Mm -hmm. uh, the placebo effect, is that mm -hmm. uh, self-hypnosis or is another mechanism going on? Self-deception, self-hypnosis or something else going on? Well, it depends on your definition of hypnosis. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and 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 that's, that's a very deep subject. Um, but placebo... Uh, there, well, there's probably some placebo going on in hypnotherapy as well. Some people will come to you to lose weight, and because they've paid for a hypnotherapy session, they're they're going to be successful no matter what what you do. So, you know, we benefit from the placebo effect. It's not just medicine that that benefits from that. I, I read I read something recently where uh, they found a they found a a, a biological marker for people who are susceptible to placebo mm. and they also re and then another study they found a biological marker people who tend to be great hypnotic subjects and so but the, the one that excited the drug companies of course was the one about placebo oh by the way these two things are probably the same thing oh, very yeah. close. so but the drug companies were super excited because if you could eliminate people that are susceptible to the placebo effect from your drug uh trials else yeah That'd be a cool thing, you know, but, uh, but yeah, so, so yeah, they're, they're, so, but is placebo hypnosis? Uh, I don't know. It, it may be, 
yeah, maybe hypnosis. It may just be wishful thinking. It may be, I don't know. But it could be yeah. a scale. It could be a scale. Like wishful thinking could be the beginning of the hypnotic trance. Who knows? Uh, so here's the thing that really uh, I do not understand whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Doing these traditional trials are, you know, uh, there's two groups, and one group is going to get the active ingredient. Uh, mm -hmm. The other group is going to get the placebo, and the third group is going to get uh, nothing at all. So no mm -hmm. drugs for you and see what the difference is. Right. Like, typical kind of test. They've got a new test now where they have this uh, other group, and they go, Sean, you 100% are getting a placebo. Yeah. It's not going to be active, and you still have positive benefits. <laughs> you know it's a placebo, and it still helps you. Yes, Whereas, yes, it, it will, definitely. And if you are not sure whether it's active or not, because we're telling you it's real, that's right. a different thing. When I'm telling you, it's a lie. This is a sugar pill. It's right. not going to help you at all. Take right. it anyway and it helps. I'm not sure why that happens. I don't know. I mean, happens. certainly some of them are going, well, okay, he's trying to sell this really, really hard. So it probably is the real medicine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, take us down uh, to the history of hypnosis, like some of the earlier work done on uh, – vaudeville shows and stuff because that's all fascinating stuff <laughs> oh yeah yeah the hat pin through the arm yeah and they tell them anesthetize the client and just say uh you won't feel this you won't feel any pain and then they put the hat pin through the person's arm uh you know they they used to they'd hold a, a lighter or a, a lip match underneath somebody's hand and the the problem with that is of course Yes, you can you can anesthetize somebody with hypnosis, but that doesn't mean that you're not injuring injured. them with that dent or or cooking their flesh with that with that match. So um, did, uh, someone interrupt you there just for a second because it was mm -hmm. uh, when you told me the story. Uh, mm -hmm. There was one other thing that was the fascinating part: not feeling the pain that happened. It's like you know that's a nice parlor trick. Mm -hmm. The part that freaked me out was this: is that the hypnotist tells the person there's going to be two holes in your skin only the right one will bleed mm -hmm. and only the right one bled. Yes. And well, that's the, that's the one, that's the one that uh, I had, I had always been taught, but I only recently got to test that. And we had a physician with some lancets and two volunteers. And yes, we did that. We, we had first, the first volunteer, the left hole will bleed. The right hole will stop. And that's what happened. The second one, we did it the exactly the opposite and it, and it worked. And yeah, you can, and I've actually seen it with my own two eyes, you can stop capillary bleeding with hypnosis. And that was pretty cool. So just hold that for a second. There is, uh, so in computers, what we're using right now to do this uh, beautiful interview mm -hmm. is the software we're using is StreamYard. And it's the mm -hmm. top layer of everything. Mm -hmm. And underneath that is the OS, which is uh, Windows in my case. Mm -hmm. Underneath that is the machine language. Mm -hmm. And underneath that is the BIOS that hooks up the, the mouse and the mic and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So interesting things are happening at the machine level uh, to control this magical thing. And we're just using the higher level that makes it easy for me to click the mouse and see you. Right. I think the same thing is true for human beings is that there is a really powerful underlying operating system that we have the ability to go into a capillary and say, I don't want you to bleed and I want you to bleed over there. That mm -hmm. on a conscious level of mind, we have no idea 
how to control it. Just like mm -hmm. I'm using the software, all I know is I can click the end broadcast button and it's going to stop broadcasting, mm -hmm. but I have no idea what's happening underneath the make it happen. And I think that's where hypnosis and neuroscience could meet at some point where we can go down into uh, the basic. So you got DNA on the biological side, but I think you've got mm -hmm. an operating system that's deeper that once we start getting, uh, there is a cancerous lump in you, dislocation, starve it of, uh, of blood. Mm -hmm. Who knows mm -hmm. what the future is, but uh, fascinating stuff like you'll bleed on this side versus the other. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's an interesting analogy. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it could be very much very close to what's actually happening. Um, hmm. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Uh, I've not witnessed this, but I've heard of it. Uh, maybe you've got more experience on this or in your research is that people that have multiple personalities mm -hmm. uh, sometimes can have a change of eye color or allergies that are in one versus the other. I, that yeah, there's a different. Have you heard of this? Yes, I have. Yeah. So they also that, seem to be highly hypnotizable. Yeah. And so that leads to there's the, the theory of there's an underlying operating system uh -huh. that the upper level of uh, personality, which is like this application we're using, you've got like, you know, John, who is a kindly uh, grandfatherly figure. And this other personality is like a biker, mean, horrible person uh, is at the top. But underneath that, fundamental architecture just changes and says, okay, mm -hmm. the biker's allergic to this and mm -hmm. uh, grandpa is not. So fascinating things. Yeah. Sean, uh, we had a great conversation. Uh, what's a, what's a question for me? I've been interrogating you. Do you have a question <laughs> for me? Uh, well, let's see. So you're still in Maryland now? No. Uh, sold the house two years ago. Yeah. Uh, got rid of the possession, started traveling the world. Uh -huh. And my dad's freaking out. When are you <laughs> going to settle down? Where are you going to settle down? And I said, wherever I fall in love uh -huh. is where I'll settle down. Uh -huh. So met this amazing woman in Toronto, which is my old hometown, and getting married on August 18th. Hey, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so great. is there a question that I should have asked you that I didn't ask you? No, I don't think so. I think uh, – and. I really liked your questions and you've given me some stuff to think about, um, particularly the one about the fractionation. So I'm, I'm going to play, I'm going to play with that, but no, no, I think, uh, no, I really enjoyed our conversation. It was great catching up with you and congratulations on the marriage and upcoming marriage. And uh, yeah. Cool. Stay online with me as we end this right. and uh, we'll chat in a second. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 